I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. Today, I want to welcome Todd White. Todd's got a, an amazing background that started in engineering and software and management roles across 20 different uh, industries and continents. And, uh, and then he moved into the world of, of coaching. Uh, but all this started with a bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering. Um, but his real passion today is about in, uh, developing high potential employees into strong leaders who are trusted and critical thinkers and problem solvers. He leverages his unique perspective and storytelling to affect change. He excels at navigating the complexity and ambig ambiguity of today's dynamic resource demands. Todd's passion is to help executive leaders build the A-team of their dreams. Todd, welcome to Leaders and Legacies. Thank you for having me today, Craig. So, you know, we were chatting a little bit in the uh, in the green room uh, before we got started, and you started to tell me a story that sounds pretty important. So, did you grow up in West Virginia? I grew. I'm a hillbilly. Was born in West Virginia. Grew up in Virginia, um, Twin Cities, uh, in the in the Bluefield, Virginia, West Virginia area. Okay, Bluefield. So, for those that aren't familiar with the geography, is that is that like southwestern Virginia, southern West Virginia? It's south. It's southwestern Virginia. If you know where Virginia Tech Blacksburg is, get on 460 and drive drive west about 45 minutes. You know, there's a there's a fella. I'm, I'm um, what's his name? Oliver Anthony or something like that. He just released a, a song. Oliver. Yeah, he's in Franklin. That's that's closer to Lynchburg. Lynchburg's three and a half to four hours east of where I grew up. Okay. I'm right in the, right in the Appalachian Mountains. Bluefield's yeah. like 3,500 feet above sea level. What was what was that song he released just to kind of jog people's memories? I forgot the name of it, but it, it kind of took off by a storm. I think it's something about uh, north of Richmond, the the the... Something north of Richmond. That he was he was gangbusters there for a while. Yeah, I, yeah. Now that you mention, I think it was Richmond, north of Richmond. I think it was a commentary yeah. on people in D.C. looking out for themselves, but not necessarily the people in Southern Virginia. Yeah, well, pretty much anywhere you get you get between the two coastlines, the east or the west, you find out how the normal Americans live and they're just caught up in day to day and getting by. And that's, that's his story. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, this is where you grew up and, and what, what did your dad do? Well, my dad had his own business. He started in 1966 selling used cars 
I actually grew up under his desk. I took my naps under his desk. So I grew up in the business, meeting people, talking people, just just working in his business up, up through my teenage years. Okay. And why, um, so obviously now you live in, in the outskirts of Houston, you live in Sugarland. Um, what, you know, what got you from there to here? That is a dangerous story. Uh, I went to school in Eastern Virginia, Old Dominion. That's where I did. You get, you get an engineering degree in four different schools in Virginia. Anyway, I wound up at Old Dominion, uh, got my engineering degree. Uh, once I got my engineering degree, I've lived in North Carolina, South Carolina, um, Pennsylvania, Texas, time in Taiwan. I, I've lost time track of how many different times I've moved. But what got me into Sugarland was Accenture recruited me from Dubai so that I could live in Texas, Chicago, or Atlanta, Georgia. I chose Houston area because I'd been here quite a few times doing work in the oil and gas industry sector. And when they brought me in for a go-to-market lead to run that advisory, that I, I chose Houston. Yeah. So why not? I mean, so a lot of people that grow up in Southern uh, Virginia and West Virginia, they just live their whole lives there. What, what prompted you to move away? What happened? Well, it's a great place to be from, and it's absolutely terrific people. But when you look to that region, pretty much everything that made it has dwindled out, been bought up, merged, or just absolutely killed. So I watched that happen when I was in my in, in the 80s, when I was in high school, I watched unemployment in certain areas, 60% plus, interest rates, 19, 20% plus. I watched my dad lose his business after all of those years. And uh, I was I was really determined to get out of there. I had the capability to get out of there because I you know pursued my education at that level. But I made a conscious choice to move on. Now, I just did my 40-year high school reunion. And went back and still see the same people are still there. <laughs> They're still great people, but they're still trying to figure out how to how to navigate, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you got a you started off with a, a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. Right. And um the um so when when I hear some of the places you meant, well, when I hear Dubai, I immediately think of oil, but yeah, you know, probably shouldn't. I, I know there's a lot of things going on in Dubai. What, you know, what what did you do with your engineering degree originally? Well, um, right out of school, um, uh, I interviewed with the Electronic Accelerator over in Newport News. Interviewed three times with them to be told I had the job, only to find out I didn't. So that upended me right out of the blocks. Then I moved to Winston Salem, North Carolina got a job a job in um in um in pure later facet where they make you know they make elements for for filters all those those different things after six months they said we love you but you don't work here anymore so then during that time i'd been sending out resumes cvs uh, that led me to being one of five engineers that were hired to go to taiwan learn everything about a new facility come back to lake city south carolina and build that uh then that progressed. If we keep going on here, we'll run through uh, <laughs> 30 years of me moving and and jabbing and poking. I've reinvented myself no less than five times, but at, at a certain level, when I was with Sony, with head of engineering and operations, uh, moved from there into software. So that, that was really my first transition 
a way of getting into sales and marketing and technical delivery and training. And then the next phase of that was being recruited out of an organization in Connecticut, Southbury, Connecticut, uh, getting into strategy consulting, working all over the working all over the United States specifically, but also globally doing business assessments and moving organizations forward. Now, if you really want to go further, we can do that, but it all opens up a can of worms at each at each stretch. Well, let's talk a little bit about Taiwan. Where where in Taiwan were you? Uh, Taipei. We lived in Taisu Dalo Tunwa Beilu, which was uh, the top of a, it's a it's a large building. It's headquarters for Nanya. I worked for Nanya Plastics. Okay, is that so? If if you're if you go from the center of Taipei, uh, which direction would you go to go to that? Well, that was right, literally right in the center of, of Taipei. That's where that building is. And then for us, uh, they sent us to the factories to to learn everything. So it was about a 25-minute drive south of there. Okay, down towards Taoyuan. Exactly. Yeah. You've, you've been there. I've I've spent a lot of time in Taiwan. Um, well, my wife, my wife is Taiwanese. If she was my Chinese teacher, that's a whole nother story. You know, one of the things I'll tell you, Taiwan is one of my favorite places to do business in the entire world, if not my favorite, because in Tai, in, you know, I can stay in a nice hotel in Taipei. And I can do three meetings, even if some of the meetings are over in Shinshu. And I can do three meetings in one day and get more done in one day in Taiwan than I can in three days in China. Well, you have to explain that one because I've lived in both. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, that was my experience. But you, um, I, I loved it. I loved doing business in China uh, in Taiwan. So you lived in China as well. Correct. Uh, lived, uh, well, it's, uh, we're doing some work out in Cal. I'd moved some of my team members to California to do some work with, uh, with a systems integrator and the CEO was out there and we struck up a conversation. What are you doing out here? And how, anyway, that led to a conversation about uh, them looking to expand into China. And, I, and he said, would you be interested? Well, let's have a conversation. So that was in November of 2017 in January, 2018, I'm in the middle of Beijing for three months on my own, setting up operations over there. Oh my goodness! And um, and was your wife with you during that time? No, no, it's just me. And you probably picked up my Chinese is enough to maybe communicate with the three or four year old. So I wound up in Beijing in a set of corporate, I guess, corporate style living apartments that were furnished. But you can imagine being there in January; it's cold. You got to get bundled up. You got to walk out, find yourself something to eat, all of those elements. So if you were within a few blocks of, of that Western style community, you're okay. But you learn very quickly. You venture out too far. You have to kind of point at a menu and ask. Cause you don't, at that point, you don't have English. All you got is the Chinese, those characters. And it's, uh, it's it was a bit of a gamesmanship. And then you figure out where, where you can go and what you can get at your fingertips. KFC was one of my favorite places. KFC in China is actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. What was, um, you know, so a lot of people never experienced that. You know, it's one thing, you know, if, if you go to a Western country, 
you know, there's at least some norms, some common commonalities that you would expect yeah. that kind of anchor you. Uh, but although Beijing is a very international city, as you say, you know, you, you get away from the international pockets and you're, you're, you're in China. What, how would, you know, if, if you knew somebody that was going to Beijing and had to navigate what you navigate, what, what advice would you give to them? Uh, find yourself somebody that speaks Chinese and we'll let you, we'll let you snot around on their sleeve so you don't have to figure it all out for yourself. But you know, when you're, when you're out on your own and you're, you got to you know, learn how to say, hello, how are you? Uh, uh, just learn how to engage on a basic human level. And most people, if you're trying, they'll, they'll figure out how to, how to engage with you. Uh, but you know, fundamentally be respectful, attempt to speak the language. And at a certain level, you'll find, you'll find some people that will speak Chinese or you know, obviously they speak Chinese, but you'll find they speak English and can tolerate your inability to meet the intonations with, with Chinese. Yeah. Uh, were there any uh, sandstorms when you were there? In China, or definitely not China, but we had those in Dubai. I know in Dubai there were sandstorms that came in that just shut everything down. We were in yeah. Abu Dhabi one day. Yeah, what's that like to be in the middle of one of those? Uh, it's not well. I was in I was inside a, <laughs> a tall building when it happened. I was relatively isolated. Uh, my wife and daughter were at the pool at the apartment complex we were staying in Dubai. And everybody started grabbing things and running in. They didn't know what was going on, but it's literally you're just being pelted like you're in a sandblaster. So the best thing you can do is get out of the way, hunker down, and get inside. Yeah, I'm surprised, especially with all those tall glass buildings. I'm surprised the glass weathers it as well as it does. All oh, those buildings are constructed to withstand a lot when it comes to to wind and other, you know, glass looks like it's not very strong, but it's actually quite strong. Yeah. Interesting. So anyway, so let's, you know, so that's, that's what you were doing in engineering, but today you're not doing engineering. What was it? What do you do for folks these days? Mm -hmm. I used to, when I started ClearPeg, I made a conscious decision and based on all of my experience, I would go into, well, I'm an engineer. I do business assessments. I do strategy. I do consulting. I do professional development. I felt I was talking to a guy one day, kind of like this. He's like, "You're a pretty good. You're a pretty cool guy. I like talking to you, but I'd have no idea what to hire you for." And I was like, "Ooh, that is true. I better I better get focused." We've talked about focus is the price of success. And I was on site with a client, traveling in a hotel, jacked up in a hotel, recognizing I'm here again. I am. Uh, working with a client that really probably doesn't care more. I care more about the success of their project than they do. I said, what am I doing? I really love building, growing teams, developing people, seeing, seeing that eye light up moment when, when you're working with young professional or whatever people that are just looking to go to the next step. And I made it, actually, I told the client, I said, uh, I was working through the, I said, listen, this isn't for me and we're not going to continue to do this. I'm not just going to leave you high and dry. Let's work this one through. And then I do not want any more engagements like this. And so we kind of sunset and I keep up with, I keep up with that organization to this day. Uh, you know, you don't, I don't like to burn bridges, but that for me, it's when you start recognizing the first time you say no to something is very, uh, it's very enlightening because you, you develop that point of focus. And that's where ClearPeg is, being intentional. 
Yeah, I love what you said. Focus is the price of success. Um, I, you know, I don't think I've ever heard that before. I mean, intuitively, it makes sense. What is that something you coach others in, or is that just a principle that drives you in running clear peg? I do get to other people. It really, that it comes to having a perspective, a point of view. And it's, I, I equate it to like trying to teach a child to tie shoes I cannot have a consultative conversation with them. It's very prescriptive. And eventually that becomes effortless. So that level of focus, you watch them, they're really focused on it. Eventually it gets to effortless. You just get up, put your shoes on and tie them. Uh, and then, you know, at some point you might have a consultative relationship with that child as they're running track or other different events or hiking. What So you might get into a consultative, but it really focuses about, what are you making a conscious choice to take to a level of effortless? I like to use the analogy of a musician. I've, I've, I've noodled around with guitars for more than 10, 10, 15 years now, but I've never taken it to an exact level of effortless. When you watch a professional musician, I was at a blues bar here in Houston. It's been a year or two ago now, but I'm watching this young lady. She's playing the guitar. She's singing. You know, there's people in the bar that are her friends. They're getting up to exit and she's nodding at them and kind of she's doing all of this at a level of effort less. You don't get there without having the focus, the time, the attention. And a lot of people, they have a lot of wants and desires, but they never put in the level of effort to actually achieve the results that they want. So those things have to be congruent, which is being intentional, being focused and and taking something to effortless effortless doesn't mean you're lazy. It just means you've mastered it. Right. You know, and that's another point that I really like, <clears throat> and I just want to make sure we catch, catch, capture that the, you know, focus gets you to the point of effortlessness. And you know, you, in the context of music, I was watching an interview with kid rock and he was sitting around talking to a couple other people. And at one point he just picked up a guitar and started tuning it. And then took a beer can and played slide guitar with with a beer can. Yeah. And I'm watching him. And you know, for a second, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, that looks really hard, but he's making it look easy. And then I realized, oh, this is a guy who's had a guitar in his hand most of his waking hours for right. you know 20 or 30 years. It's like uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, his brother Jimmy had a guitar and he told Stevie he could never touch it. And Stevie, he just, when he was in high school, he was sneaking out playing gigs, right? And he just took it to an extreme level. But I heard stories he would play till his fingertips would bleed and maybe he'd super glue and keep going on. But that level of passion, Eddie Van Halen, while his friends were out partying and he's at 14 years old, staying home, just absolute focus relentless focus but if you do something you know 10 12 15 hours a day you're gonna get good at it as alex hormozzi says you got to get your number of bats and recognize you're gonna suck initially but you got to keep doing it you don't step up to you don't step into the major leagues playing baseball and think you're gonna hit a home run you got to put in your time your due diligence your energy and the level these sports professionals play at now they've got not one coach, but multiple coaches. And, you know, Patrick Holmes, I was watching a, a thing on him on Netflix. He's had a professional coach since he was in the fourth grade. Yeah. Not just one, but multiples. You can't, 
somebody that'll do 10 or 15 hours a day of investment and focus, you can't compete with that. If you are, you better be able to do the time, the and put in that effort, right? Well, and you brought in the idea of, you know, the concept of baseball. There's a, there's a statistic that fascinates me. Uh, so last year, last, last year's season, there were exactly nine people that batted over 300. Oh, yeah. And only two that batted below 200. And the, the difference between being the absolute best in the league and fired is the difference at one at bat out of 10. That's, that's uh, you know, how do you even start to digest that? And it, you know, living living in China, you recognize these people have people working for me have PhDs, multiple degrees, working 10, 12, 15 hours a day, and we're working on proposals and other things. And they're like, oh, by the way, we're gonna have to work this weekend. I'm like, all right, you're telling me we got to work this weekend. I'm all in. Let's go. Yeah. So you got that level of grit, energy passion and determined to be successful. That's what people in the United States don't get. We've been, uh, we just don't understand the level of drive and, and going after things that's going to happen. Like I've got, I have coaches in India or what have you, but it's, you think about that one and a half billion people in India and, and Chinese, are you some one in a million, one, well, if you're one in a million sport, there's 1500 more just like you trying to differentiate and working to differentiate themselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're uh, we're almost out of time here, and I want to make sure that before we wrap up, people know who ClearPeg is and what you do for people. We're focused on professional development. We work with growth-minded individuals, which means everything that we just touted there, they're on fire, they're going for it, they're not afraid to failure, they're becoming subject matter experts. Um we're we're really focused on getting people to the next level. I, I spend a whole lot of time trying to say I'm not a coach. Well, <laughs> we are coaches. They're, you'd be looking for a better word than that. Um, but literally, it's about people don't want to buy a coach. They want to buy an advantage, and that's what we do. The old thing, you don't buy a shovel, you buy a hole. We're, we're into giving people the advantage that they need to ramp them quickly, let them build out and grow their point of view on their career. What do they need? How they want to get there. We never tell people what to do. We don't tell them how to do their functional role, but we do engage and we share, you know, how we can ramp them quickly. Well, excellent. And how, how do people reach you uh, if they want to do that? The easiest way to reach me is by email and that's Todd at clearpeg all one word.com you can also go to our website clearpeg.com uh, if you can reach out to me on linkedin happy to to get networked that way and you'll find me todd white on linkedin there's there's more todd whites than you than you would think about but just type in hashtag clearpeg and you'll find me in my uh my shtick i guess where i'm, I'm a creator on there so you'll find multiple things from me well, excellent. I do hope people reach out to you. Todd, thank you for being on Leaders and Legacies and so, uh, sharing these interesting stories from all around the world. I am a storyteller. Love telling a story. That connects with people really quick. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it.
This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.